You got to change your habits or change your goals. Muay Thai is 50% running and 30% laundry. Keep working on your game. Keep innovating. I'm always winning. What is your pro tip? Hello and welcome to another episode of Pro Tip Conversations. Uh, today we have an exciting guest with us. Uh, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ross, Ross Dewar. Um, Ross is the founder of Cricket Strength, where his mission is to help cricketers get faster, bowl quicker for longer without getting hurt. Doozy, as he's affectionately known, has worked in professional cricket since 2000, working with Somerset, Northamptonshire, ah, Northamptonshire, ah, Northants. <laughs> Northants. That's probably a better way of saying it. Wow, I struggled there. I thought I was going to struggle with Worcestershire, but turned out that was the one that uh, that, that got me. <laughs> so yeah, so he's worked with a bunch of counties as the head strength and conditioning coach. Uh, Ross has a degree in sports science and a passion for helping cricketers be their best selves. Today, uh, we'll chat with Ross uh, about his journey into strength and conditioning coaching and gain insights into his experience working with cricketers for over 20 years. How are you, mate? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Th thanks for joining us. Um, yeah. So let, let's get right into it. Um, you know, were you always an active athlete growing up? I love sports. Sports was, was evident to me growing up in the, in the eighties. I'll show you how old I am born in 1980. So <laughs> going back a long time, I loved all sports, football, rugby, cricket, basketball, you know, I, I was a sports nut. Um, football was my main love actually growing up. Um, and I was always happy as long as I had some form of football or, or cricket ball or rugby ball to play with. You know, I was happy as Larry. Nice. And and who were your um, favorite athletes growing up? Um, in football, uh, it was Brian Robson. He was my favorite um, footballer, played for Man United in England. Um so he was my very first one that I remember. But then in cricket, it was um, Viv Richards, Ian Botham, uh, Joe Garner, um, a lot of the West Indies, actually, because the West Indies were, were pretty dominant back then. You know, they used to dominant, smash up yeah. England all the time. Um, so I was just fascinated by the fast bowling. In Pakistan, actually, Pakistan came across, I think it was in 1992 to play England. In, in Wazim and Wakar were just totally different, you know, rapid Yorkers, hurting people yeah. and it just fascinated me you know i was just sort of captivated by cricket i guess fast bowling was a big uh big attractor for you yeah yeah i loved it you know i love rugby as well you get to get to smash people um yeah. but, but then yeah there was just something about you, you could see the sort of the power that these the fast bowlers held you know the batsman didn't want to face them you know and, and it was just something that, yeah. that sort of captivated me that that you could make the uh, the batters tremble just running up. So yeah, I love the fast bowling. Cool. And so, so tell us, I guess, uh, about your journey, um, you know, into making cricket, being in cricket as a career, right? So how did okay. how did what inspired you to get into sports science? I guess. Um, well, I didn't actually do my degree until I was ten years into my career. Um, I did. Oh, okay. I actually joined the navy <laughs> when I was eighteen, but it didn't last long. Uh, I knew it wasn't for me. So I came out and did a, a diploma to start um, and had to work my way through that. And then I, I, I just uh, sent off letters, actually. You know, again, <laughs> there was no emails back then. So I sent letters off to uh, about five or six different counties. And I had a message back from Somerset. So I uh, so went across there and got offered to do a, it was only a part-time role at the time, to help the second team with sports therapy and fitness. And um, the money was terrible. There was no guarantee of anything after the first <laughs> six months. 
Um, I think I got, it was five, five K for the first uh, six months, but I just knew that it would be a chance to get in there. So yeah, I went for it, went down there the year, yeah, it was year 2000. Um, and, um, and worked that summer, absolutely loved it. Wanted to know more. Um, got asked back for the second year, but I had to, in between that, there was obviously six months out of season where I had to go and get another job. So I worked in a gym, um, as a squash gym. And so whilst doing that, I just kept learning, kept um, doing sort of sessions for the players, doing treatments for the players over that winter, and just had the sort of thought that the harder I work and the more I learn, the more effective I'm going to be. Um, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, ended up doing doing five years with Somerset then and, and loved it. Uh, and then went on to North Ants after that. I got offered the, the, the lead SNC role with North Ants at 24. So, yeah, it was all pretty um, pretty ra- not random, but yeah, it was. A, I had to take a bit of a leap of faith and then just back myself that I would be good enough and, and learn enough. I mean, when I look back now and I think of the training we did, I, I cringe, but you know, you should really, because if you, <laughs> if you haven't learned in the last 23 years what you've been doing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing to get there back then. And, and it was obviously a, a very different game than it is now. Yeah. So, so did you did you transition into the coaching side of things? Were you playing, um, you know, whether it was club cricket or, um, um, you know, county yeah. divisions prior to that, before so, you decided, you know what, maybe coaching is where I want to go? Yeah, the closest I got was, uh, I think when I was 16 or 17, I had trials for Dorset, which is a minor county, okay. so not like North Ants yeah. or Worcester. Um, but then I had shin splints. Um, and, and the only advice I got, which probably set me on a path really, was well, you can't play, you're just going to have to rest. So I missed out that mm. season. So I missed my chance to actually play for Dorset, um, even though I got through the trials. And then it was, I did, it had exams after that and just stopped playing really. Um, so, right. so yeah, it was more of the, the coaching side of it. You know, when I was there, I, I was bowling in the nets and, and doing stuff, but I knew, you know, I was a way off. <laughs> you know, my best ball was, uh, if it was a dot ball, I'd be very happy. But normally it went and smashed out the nets past my head. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I knew I wasn't good enough then. Yeah. Um, so I guess you, you started working in um, in these counties and then you mentioned 10 years in, you went and got your uh, sports science degree. Was that more so to just continue f- fueling your learning and, and yeah. growth? Uh, on Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit of that. But also... Um, the ECB were bringing in checks where you had to have so much, so many qualifications. So I hadn't actually got a degree. So I had to go and get my degree done. So when I was 29, I, um, it's funny, I actually joined Northampton University because I was in my fifth year there. And then the sure. Worcestershire coach messaged me and we met up and um, I got offered the role in Worcester. I said, I'd love to do it, but if you can transfer my university from North Ants yeah. to Worcester, that you know that would seal the deal, and they did. Yeah. So I moved over to Worcester and did my degree at the same time, which was interesting. There was a lot going on, obviously, with the move. Yeah. New team ahead of S and C. Uh, there was no physio around. He was away. The coach was away. So I was trying to deal with all these new players, as well as <laughs> dealing with a whole educational system, which you can imagine in the twelve years since I'd last been in it, it changed dramatically. And. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was tough, but it, it was interesting at the same time. Awesome. Okay, let's let's fast forward. I guess tell tell us uh, a bit about your inspiration in starting cricket strength. Yeah, no worries. So basically, 
you know, with um, when I was at Worcester, in the other teams as well, you'd see trialists come in, you know, maybe for the second team or just in the nets. And, and I looked at them and, and they never knew how to prep well. You know, there was no knowledge of really what they should be doing. And, and then you talk to them and find out how they're training and the training was, you know, pretty horrendous. It was just basically bog standard gym training, which, you know, on mm-hmm. the spectrum of what you need for, for fast bowling is a long, long way away. Um, and they were never ready, you know. So I was like, okay, well, you know, there's, there's 18 first-class counties in, in the UK. If you're not affiliated to one of these counties, then what help have you got? And it was zero, pretty right. much zero. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, maybe there, there needs to be something in there. So imagine if you're not quite in a county, but you're still quite good and you want to get better, you know, cricket strength is for you, but then it expanded, um, you know, for, for anyone. So the primarily people we deal with are the people who want to improve their game and, and get quicker and be a better athlete, but also get over injuries. And that's what really makes me proud is our record of helping people with stress fractures. You know, there's so many bowlers with stress fractures, how we help them get back long-term injuries, again, backs, knees, um, shoulders, getting over injuries. And back to playing, but not just back to playing, having a body that's ready to play and robust, which means it doesn't break down again. And that's probably, that makes me prouder than even helping the bowlers put on pace, you know, because you're helping people not just getting back to playing, but also changing their life. Because if you're in chronic pain, it has a big carryover for your life day to day because you struggle to be happy when you're in pain all the time. So, So for me, that side of it, 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 I love it when I get on a call. So, you know, with my guys, we do every month, we have a one-to-one call to catch up. You know, when two or three months in, when they get on and they're beaming because they're out of pain, then you think, wow, they, you know, this is this is amazing. This is so worth it. That's awesome. So uh, I'll definitely put links to your uh, socials and your site um, at the end in the description of the video. But just wanted to ask, are people able to get in touch with you, whether they're based in the UK or whether they're uh, you know, outside of the UK. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've got people everywhere, everywhere, all over the world. And that's awesome. another reason for going online so that there yeah. is no one that would be excluded from it. And people sometimes get find it hard to get their head around, you know, how can you do right. it online, you know? But yeah. when you utilize everything you've got now, it's fairly simple. You know, we do an online mm-hmm. movement assessment, which people can do from their front room. Uh, another fitness test, again, they do for their front room with just a tape measure. Um, we analyze their bowling. We can analyze it from all angles as long as they've got a video of it. And then what we do is we've got people that cater for every part of what they need. So I cater for a lot of the fitness and the rehab. We've got another injury guy who's really good at movement and actual human anatomy. We've got a, a fast bowler from Worcester, uh, Charlie Morris, who's our fast bowling mentor. We've got a sports psych. Uh, we've just signed a field in awesome. spin coach. Um, we've got a doctor on board, so we, you know, we, they come to us. And, and if you think if you're working with a, a coach normally, that you might be working with them for an hour a week, you know, if you're lucky. And that's just on one side of the game. So that might be on your bowling, on your batting. You know, we take care of everything. We put a, a program in place which is totally bespoke for someone, so that it's not just yeah. you get a PDF. No, for us, we work around you as a person. So it might be a student who's got exams. It might be someone who's got a family and work, so they can only do three nights a week. You know, it might be someone who travels around with work, so they're going to be in hotel gyms. 
you know, we make the whole experience very personal because, you know, I could write the best program in the world for someone, but if they can't complete it, it's pointless. It's a waste of time. So that's why, yeah. we, you know, we understand people are busy. People have got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stress going on. Um, so we make the, the whole experience as, as easy as possible for them. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I think one of the key takeaways, having these conversations with a variety of coaches, one of the things I've, I've kind of learned is, you know, when I was playing cricket, for me, it was my club coaches or my, you know, the, the under 19 coaches from the province or country uh, that were who I got feedback from. Yeah. But one of the things that I've realized is that having your own set of coaches that are detached from your outcomes, right? So like the county, co the, the coaches at the national level, they're responsible for making sure that the team performs to the best. Sure. They don't necessarily care whether the one out of 15 uh, in their squad is, you know, getting the right help, but having yeah. people that you trust and that you can work with and build that relationship is so key. So I, I, you know, I find folks like you who are kind of doing this on an individual basis. Um, there's tremendous value in that. And um, that's what I've heard from people that I've worked with, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one performance coaches as well, right? Yeah. So, um, and yeah, I, think, awesome. I think we're seeing a slight change as well. Um, and and yeah. you know, I, I've followed quite a lot of um, American essences, you know, Eric Cressy in baseball, Joe DeFranco, um, American football, John mm -hmm. Tureen, American football, we spoke to him a few times. Uh, and, and, you know, and what's happening over there is the athletes are taking, are, are getting their own teams around them. So they've got their own physio, they've got their own essence, they've got their own um, psych, psych coach. So that they can then know, you know, they could because you know, as an athlete, you can go from team to team, from state to state. Or, yeah. You know, you don't know where you're going to be, but if you've got your team that's with you all the time, you know, it's going to make a difference. And we've seen it recently that we've got we've had some um, guys come on playing, you know, probably high professional cricket, international cricket, because they know that they want that regular contact with someone that they're con consistent all the way through. And so I think it's changing. Yeah. It's getting a bit more like golf. Uh, or tennis, well, yeah. it's team tennis, sport, yeah. but you know, you, you need to be still focusing on you as a person, and how can you be functioning at the highest capacity you can be? Absolutely, yeah, it's that's awesome. Um, I guess we'll switch into you know coaching now and your philosophy around around it, and we'll start with you know who who were your biggest influences, uh, coaching influences. Uh, coaching wise, well, one was um, was Steph Jones. Um, so when I joined Somerset at twenty. You know, he was one of the first people that would talk to me. You know, a lot did, a lot didn't. I was, I was twenty years old. I didn't know anyone at all, um, and it was very daunting. There was a couple of England players there. It was, it was a bit scary. Some wouldn't talk to you, um, but there was a couple of guys. Jace Kerr, who's actually head coach of Somerset now, and Steph and Marcus Juskothic were the three that would, and, and they really looked after me. And what I liked about Steph, even though he's a player then, he was always pushing himself to be the best he could be. He had his own home gym. He was well ahead of the curve. You know, I remember going over to his house and to his study. It was just mountains of books. He was always learning. Uh, and that for me, I always had sort of a big interest in um, trying to upskill myself. You know, seeing a player who was doing it, it was like, oh, this is brilliant. There's someone yeah. on the same wavelength. So, you know, we kept, you know, Somerset were together, North Ants were together, which he started Cricket Strength together. Now he's got Pace Lab, which is slightly different. Uh, but yeah, you know, sure. just seeing his mindset, obviously he wasn't strictly a coach then, but you know, now he is and he's, for me, the best high performance fast bowling coach in the world. Um, he was definitely one. And then I had another one at Somerset uh, called Mark Garraway. He ended up working with England 
uh, as an assistant coach for about five years. And he was the same sort of mindset, you know, how are you going to improve today? He would always put me under pressure um, and say, right, what have you done well today? You know, what are you doing? Are you better than yesterday? So I'd say, you know, those two, primarily the people I work with were the ones that really helped push me and, um, and get me where I am today. Awesome. And so how, how did they help shape your own coaching philosophy? Um, I, th I think from that side of things, just the hard work, you know, to, to understand that you have to keep learning. It, not necessarily my own individual philosophy of how I improve players. I, I think that's been shaped by, mm -hmm. again, a number of people. Um, and, and funny enough, most of them are online. You know, like I mentioned, DeFranco, Eric Cressy, um, right. Jill Miller, who the, the fascial coach, you know, yoga tune-up, she's the, the best actual seminar day I ever went to is when she came to the UK in 2015. It was absolutely amazing to actually understand the role of fascia. Um, Dean Somerset, uh, there, there's so many guys that I started working on, like Brett Contreras. A lot of these guys, you know, you never really um, agree with everything everyone says, but I think there's so much value in, in what they were sharing. And for me, I think you're going on two different routes as a coach. Some go really science-based and never really get their hands dirty working with athletes. You know, I was working with athletes day in, day out. You know, one wrong move and you end a career. <laughs> so it's, it's always high pressure. Right. So that's why I always went to the yeah. people at the coalface working with the players. I said, right, you know, success leaves clues. What are these guys doing? But for me, it was always frustrating when you saw someone else say, well, I'm not doing that exercise. There's no empirical evidence behind it. And you're like, well, yeah, but open your eyes. It's not always going to be empirical evidence. So for me, it was actually following the people who were doing well, who were helping players of whatever sort of sport it was, understanding the body. And that's my whole philosophy and the philosophy of cricket strength is body first. You know, if you don't understand mm -hmm. how your body works, how your body moves, then there's no point trying to change your, say, your bowling action. Because we see it all the time. You, you right. see you see just coaches. And I think we need to separate coaches as well. You know, they should be called mm -hmm. player mentors rather than coaches because you get players finish playing one day and then they're a coach the next day. They don't understand <laughs> the body. They don't understand how it moves. So, you know, again, what they do is try and put things together. And if you give someone a drill, say a front foot contact drill, Say they collapse on their front foot. So you, you're just trying to, to stop them, collapse on the front foot. You don't know how their body's moving. Okay, so if you don't assess and understand how their body moves, you could be giving them drills, which are perfectly fine drills, but they're never going to work because their body's not right. in a state to accept it. So our whole philosophy, assess the body, get the dysfunctions, put them right, and then we can build, build, build on top of that. And that's why I firmly believe we have the success we do, but also why... It's a pathway to actually clear off a lot of the injuries which happen at the moment, the stress fractures, the, again, the ACLs, all these sorts of things, because we're reacting, we're not getting in front of it. Makes sense. Um, is there any particular advice that you receive from a coach uh, or your own mentors that kind of, that you remember or that resonated with you? Uh, I can't remember who it was, and it might have been something that I read, but it was just, if you can answer the question why, you shouldn't be giving it to someone, you know? And, and that's so true. And it's something I, I resonate with and I, and I talk about all the time. And say it to players, you know, if, if a coach gives you something, if it's a physio, if it's an SNC, if it's a coach, 
and you ask them, okay, why am I doing this? And they can't answer, then don't do it. You know, it, we're, we're in a, it's particularly cricket. So many times I get on a, so when, if someone wants to join my plan, they have to get on a call with me first. So I, I sort of qualify them to say if I want them on the plan or not. And I ask them a few questions and it's like, one of them is like, okay, what, what have you, what advice have you been given by coaches? And it's always the same, you know, stop falling over, try and bowl taller, uh, try and be better on the back foot. And then when you say, okay, what did they do anything to actually try and help you with this? It's always no, you know, it's, so it's like saying, you know, you're going to go and win the lot lottery and then asking for the numbers and then not giving it to you. So it's like, it's pointless information. You know, there's just yeah. so, such sort of surface information of, of that. Or, and, the, and the other one is they tell you just to go and get stronger without actually looking to see if that is that what you need. You know, if a player can't balance on one leg, putting a barbell on the back is not going to help them a hell of a lot. So, um, right. so yeah, it's always just ask the question, why? Makes sense. Um, and, you know, over time, you've encountered a lot of different coaches um, and worked with various coaches have you noticed anything that you know makes a great coach any I, any uh, pattern it's changed a lot you know it's changed a hell of a lot you know from you know 2000 to now it's 23 years um the the people you're working with's changed you know the whole world's changed um it, it, and what would have worked in 2000 wouldn't work now we'd get you sacked right. now you know to be brutally honest yeah. You know, if, if I did things that I did in 2000 now, I'd definitely be sacked. There's no question about it. Um, so it's very different. I think now you've got to be very, you've got to understand the person. You really have, you know, you've got to understand what's going on in their lives. You know, their, their sort of hopes and fears, their worries, all these sorts of things. Um, so now I think that what you, you're seeing is a sort of new breed of coach that doesn't shout and scream and bawl. Uh, it's someone who's quite relaxed. You know, you look at Brendan McCullum for England. It, he's um, completely changed the culture of that team. You know, it looks from the outset. You know, I, I know, again, Marcus is one of my best friends and he's one of the coaches there. So, you know, you speak to him a little bit and you hear about what's going on. And it sounds like a great environment, you know. But at that level, it almost should be because you should be pretty good if you're playing for England or, or Australia or New Zealand, you know, any of the um, the countries you should be good. So then it's about, right, how can we allow these players with the unbelievable, get, and you watch the game, you know, you see what Stokes does, um, you know, you see how Root plays in the, in the ashes and we, he played a reverse sweep first ball. It's like, what is going on here? But, you know, these guys are unbelievably talented and now it looks like they've got yeah. coaches who instead of stifling it, are allowing it to, to actually breathe and, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's unbelievable mm -hmm. to watch. Like I said, it's, not just the coaching, but everything's changed since 2000. You'd have never seen that. You know, people played a, a sweep back in Absolutely. 2000 and everyone went, cool, what's he doing? So the, the yeah. whole game has just changed so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I guess, yeah, it's been like that adaptation of the coaches over the course of that time too, right? And yeah. It, it's, it's growth, I suppose, in the game. Um, and where the game is is completely different from 2000 as well with the advent of T20 and more yep. fearless cricket and along those lines. So, yeah, um, I guess on the flip side, what makes a successful client that when you're working with a player, you know, how do you determine whether uh, you mentioned that you talk to them and whether or not you want to take, bring them onto your plan? You know, what's the assessment that happens there? Whether is it their 
commitment, seriousness of whether they really want to do the work. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you evaluate? It is. It, it's. Uh, I like. I'm. I'm quite old school, so I like getting on the call so I can look in their eyes. I know it's across the camera, but you can still yeah. see about say about someone. <laughs> um. So it's. I always make a. a um. Uh, a guess. It's always a guess. Right. Is he going to be committed? And uh, you know, are they, do they want to be the best player they can be? And, and that doesn't matter to me if you're right. um, Division Three of a Sunday league in the UK, you know, or you're a, you know mm -hmm. you're playing a test, but you want to get a little bit quicker, or you're sick of getting injured. If you want to be the best that you mm -hmm. can be, and you're good at communication, because that's another key, um, is communicating well. Because you know, without that, online work doesn't work. You know, if you if you don't respond, right. if you don't engage, right. it's going to be a lot harder. So. Yeah, just seeing how someone is, looking in their eyes, thinking, right, you've been through a lot. You need the help. You need to be on this. Because um, some, some, you know, straight away, right, this is built for you. You're going to absolutely thrive. And some, I, you know, the calls generally last about half an hour. Some I've finished after two minutes. And I've just said, listen, this isn't for you. You know, this really isn't for you. So right. all the best, but uh, you need to find someone else. Um, so, yeah, for me, I, I like to look in their eyes and, and say, right, are they going to be committed? Are they going to do the work? Um, but also, is there anyone else lurking in the background? Because sometimes there can be other coaches involved and, and I step away then. Because mm. if you've got two or three people giving someone different ideas, the player misses out because they're not quite sure which one to go with. So they'll take a little bit, a little bit, and they'll never fully get into it. So I just sort of step away then and, and say, right, again, this isn't for you. But but yeah, it's all down to the person. And, and I think you, you you can pretty much tell someone straight away you know, I look at things, are they set up straight? Yeah. Are they engaging? Um, things like that. So, so yeah, that, that's how I sort of uh, analyze them on a call. Makes sense. And then when you're working with clients, and whether that's in person or uh, online, uh, how do you know that you, you know your students are really grasping the concepts and are getting themselves to be, you know, ultimately competition ready, right? Because yep. they're doing all this work so that they can be on the field and, and compete. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that, I mean, that's the end goal. Uh, with all the training everything we do, it's all about getting on the pitch and performing well. Right. So, you know, we regularly share videos. So if someone's in that period where they're just sort of pre-competition, they'll be sharing videos once a week of their bowling, how they're getting on, how's training going. Uh, we do, um, so like I said, we do a movement screen when they join up. They do that then every month. So then we can chart the progress. So we're always sort of charting progress, looking at numbers, looking at lifts, looking how their sort of body's responding um, and then just chatting. You know, the, the biggest red flag for me is when you don't hear from someone for a month and you think, right, okay, someone's, they're either flying and they're fine, they don't need my help anymore, or they've just gone down a rabbit hole and, and they've disappeared. So uh, right. those are the two yeah. times you, you get worried. But, you know, we've got two or three people that, that, that are working on the business with me and they're always in contact as well. So when someone comes on, they know that they, they get looked after by a number of people sense all right we're going to come into our you know last little section here um so you know as part of you know as i mentioned in our early in, uh, call pro tip was kind of formed off of uh, my own experiences of um you know going in a form slump and then trying to overcome it over time and yep. i still continue to play cricket to this day at a much lower level than i did back then but um you know can you share with us your your worst experience uh, either as a player or a coach and then what you learned from that experience and and you know how you overcame it 
Yeah. No, uh, it was around 2000, I think it was 2007 or 2008 when I was at North Ants. I, I was going through a really poor time personally. Um, I would never leave my house. I was <laughs> wouldn't open the curtains sometimes and it wasn't in a great place. And, it, and when I look back, yeah. the training I was doing with the guys, I was missing a lot of stuff. Um, wasn't assessing as much as I should. We hit the season and it was the worst season I was involved with, with soft tissue injuries. And it may, I remember one game very clearly, we were playing Warwickshire and we were literally down to the bare bones of players and the captain, Nicky Boyer, uh, who was a South African um, spinner, mm -hmm. um, spinner, he said to me, Juicy, what's going on? Why, is all, these, why are all these players injured? And, and I was like, oh, Jesus, this is my fault. You know, this is my fault. It's never you know, 100% your, but that was always me. I was always sure. like, right, I don't point a finger at you, you know, right, what am I doing? Because I influence what, what they're doing. Um, so that was my lowest point. But it actually almost made me take stock of myself as well, uh, of pulling myself out of what I, I'm not sure if it was depression. I don't know what it was, but I was in this weird place and managed to, to right, pull myself out of it, get my head back in, get back into training. I remember I went and did a, a week's course at the end of the season with a guy called Mark Comerford, really, really intelligent guy on glutes and movement and it got me back up and running um so yeah that that was one of the lowest times uh there actually north hands for five years it was tough to be honest um mm. uh but but yeah that was definitely when I, I sort of stopped thought right right no this isn't good enough this isn't good enough so uh, so crack on so yeah that that was the lowest point yeah i mean it as I mentioned, you know, our whole philosophy is that bouncing back from those low points, there's so much learning that yeah. happens in the, at those times that it sets you up for greater successes in the future. So it's uh, think, failure is an opportunity, right? Uh, uh, and and yeah, so that's awesome. If you don't have failure, you know, if you're going along and everything's brilliant, you know, that's why, you know, you see some of the guys who come into professional, the professional game, they, they haven't had an easy ride. But if you haven't got any, haven't had an easy ride, it makes you work harder, you know, really strive for it. Mm -hmm. So I think, it, yeah, definitely. If you, if instead of just falling down and complaining and crying and blaming everyone else, if you internally can understand, right, I've got to be better here, I've got to do better, um, then you're definitely yeah. going to come back and, and learn from it because that, that's the biggest time you learn yeah. is when, when you do things wrong or, you know, you, you're really low. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's um, definitely something you see in a lot of players who, who then become successful. Yeah. And, and what I really like about what you said is that you kind of did an introspection and figured out what you can change, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, there are, I'm sure the reasons for the injuries had to do with whether the players were training well enough and things that were outside of your control, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, all I guess we can do is figure out what are the actions we can take to give us the best chance of a good outcome, right? So I think that's so key that sometimes when we're at our lowest, we start blaming um all the things that are outside of our control rather than yeah. thinking about, okay, well, here are the changes I can make. Right? Exactly. So, and, and there's, uh, there's plenty of people that are going to blame you anyway. You know, that there's, you know, I was Absolutely. in a professional <laughs> game for 22 years. There was a lot of snakes, a lot of snakes that were yeah. trying to take yeah. you down all the time. But for me, I always started myself always because um, awesome. you, you, if you don't, then you're always sort of going to be deluded that if you think you're doing everything right, you know, you're a long way off. So yeah, start with yeah. yourself yeah. every time. What can you do better? Because, you're, you're only in control of yourself. You're not in control of anyone else. So you always start with yourself. Awesome. So for the, for the next question, you know, 
uh, I want you to tell something to, let's say, a 20-year-old who's, you know, looking to get into strength and conditioning and, and becoming a performance coach, you know, what's something that they might think they know, but they don't know about what it takes um, to make a career out of this? Wow. Okay. So first off, I think I would, I would say now, think twice. Okay. Think twice if you want to get into SNC, if you want to be with a sports team, you know, you're going to be, there's obviously, you know, there's great times, big crowds, great fun, winning trophies sometimes, and it's amazing. But, you know, the pay's terrible. <laughs> Professional teams, it's terrible. Um, compared to everyone else, you're, you're sort of low and low. You're always the first one to get blamed for anything. Um, you know, if you if you lose a game, or oh, it's probably fitness, or, you know, if someone's injured, it's your fault. It's, there's a lot of blame. You've not got a lot of support. Um, but, at the end of the day, you can help someone play for the national team. You can be part of that, you know, and that's amazing. When you when you get someone back from injury and, and then they go on to play for England, there's been two lads from Worcester who have just done that recently. It's amazing to see. And not that you take credit for it, you just, you're just there because you've helped them a little bit, you know, helped them in some way. And, and, you know, that's amazing. You might have given them that bit of advice which they've sort of kept and kept doing and has helped them stay injury free, you know? So, so that's, that's a good side of it. But the, the big thing I would say is, is once you finish your degree, once you finish your diploma, then you've got to start learning. Okay. Then that's when you start learning. You need to understand players. You need to understand that your nice little program that you've put on your MacBook and you think you're the dog's that when a player <laughs> comes in, you know, a 31 year old player, who's married with three kids and he's had no sleep that night, your little program goes out the window because you've got to look <laughs> at the person and think what he needs is a rest here. He doesn't need me barking yeah. orders at him to go and, you know, sprint around the outfield. So right. you need to understand the, the people, but then you need to understand, you know, cause one of the big things when I left my degree, you know, I spoke to the, the tutors and they asked me, would you take any of these on to work with you at Worcester? I said, no chance that you've not done anything about actually helping them coach. None of them can coach. Right. So right. you've got to learn how to do that. And, and that's where, again, look at the top people in whatever sport you want to be in. What are they doing? Get in their ear. Write them an email. A lot of them are accessible. You know, you'd be amazed. Mm -hmm. Even, the, you know, the top ones. You know, I've had chats with Joe DeFranco before. Um, one of my business partners has spoke and worked a bit with Eric Cressy. You know, these people are available to work with. Um, and, and don't get yourself locked behind scientific studies that's one of the worst things you can do is like no you know just, just obviously take heed of them because you know that some of them can be important that they can inform how you might do something but there's a lot more to it a lot more to it than that have a feel for the people understand the body understand how it moves not just understand exercise any monkey can understand how to put someone under a squat but when you understand what's happening at the pelvis what's happening at the ribs the interplay of the diaphragm when you start delving deep, then you you start realizing, wow, I've got to think of a lot here. If I just give right. Johnny um, five by five back squats and then five by five power cleans, that might not be what they need, even though someone's just told me they need to get strong. Um, and, and then just be strong as well yourself. Is it with your own courage or your beliefs? You know, if you don't believe something, and my biggest thing it always was the player comes first in whatever I did 
I can look at myself in the mirror and think I did everything I could to help that player get on the park and perform every single time. Even if the physio didn't want it, the, the coaches didn't want it. I would coach badgering me for years about yoga. And I just said, no, we're not doing yoga. It's crap. It's terrible for players. Why would we do that? And, and I stuck with it. And I know because <laughs> I know how bad it is. So, um, yeah, have the courage of your convictions um, and keep learning. The two big things. Awesome. And then um, what is a common mistake that you see aspiring cricketers making? They, well, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's their mistake, but they get told just to go and get stronger. Okay. And, and that's mm. the biggest thing. They're doing the same plan. I can write down the five exercises, which most, most cricketers are doing day in, day out. And they don't know how they move. And one of the big things that concerns me is, is they're attached to counties as well. Some of them, and you say, well, now, what assessments do they do on you to, to give you this program? And they'll look at you blankly and say, well, I haven't done one. So what's it based on then? You know, right. you don't take your car into the garage and they guess what to do with their service. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we take more care of cars than we do of our bodies. So, um, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing it is. But again, that goes back to asking why. You know, if someone hands you a piece yeah. of paper with a program and they've never seen you, you can ask them, okay, thank you very much, but what's this based on? You don't have to do it as not. You know, you can just right. inquire, say, could, could you explain to me right. why I'm doing this? And if it's just yeah. surface level crap that they give you back, then you're more than entitled to say, I don't really, I don't think that's going to be best for me. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and I, then, I know I we've, guess, got, we've got a bit R-rated maybe, there with the language, so sorry about that. <laughs> get, no, it's, get, all, it's all good. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, get, I'll get Chris to beep out some of these things. It's okay. <laughs> um, well, I guess... Maybe that was it, but what is your pro tip then for cricketers? Put your body first. Understand your body. Understand how it moves and how the whole thing integrates. And, and yeah. every sort of job of the coach should be in there somewhere. You know, normally you've got this triangle of the the, the bowling coach, the S and C, the physio, and they always do different things and they're not working together. And then the player sort of bounces around. Everything needs to be player centered. Every exercise. Say say someone's had a stress fracture. Everything from the very first sort of exercise they do afterwards, right up to just before they play, should be centered on making sure it doesn't happen again, but also that they can right. be back playing better better than before. What happens usually is they just rest, right. then they do the same training as before, nothing's changing their action, so guess what happens next? The same cycle. Now suddenly get, they'll get injured yeah. again and they'll scratch their heads, but yeah, I rest. I did the rest and then I did the squats that that idiot wanted me to do and I'm back playing, but now it's happened again. You've not broken any cycles. You've right. not understood why has it happened to start with, you know, and we know it's not really a workload thing because we're seeing spinners get stress fractures with very limited right. bowling. We're seeing bowlers get stress fractures at the start of the season with very low loads. So it's not a load. It's a mechanical issue that we need to put right. And you don't mm -hmm. put it right by putting a barbell on your back. Right. <laughs> um, well, I guess we're going to jump into our last bit, which is the rapid fire round. Okay. So, you know, first thought that comes to your mind, some of these things, you know, you can take it as um, your favorite drill or exercise rather than, okay. you know, one that you like to prescribe, because as you said, maybe it's different for each person. Right? Yep. So, but yeah, we'll jump into it anyway. So uh, I think you might've answered the first one, but favorite cricketer of all time. Oh, all time. I think it's got to be Bofum. Ian Bofum. Bofum. Uh, and then uh, do you have a favorite uh, cricket equipment brand? Kookaburra. 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, any favorite strength and training equipment? Cable machine. Okay. Favorite drill or exercise? Ooh. <laughs> Maybe one that you like to do. Maybe it's not even that you like to prescribe. But... <laughs> My favorite is bench press. <laughs> 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 and then the least favorite drill or exercise squat awesome um well i mean that that's all we have for today thank you for a very informative and interesting conversation i think Pleasure. um i learned a lot about the world of uh snc and especially at the county level so thank you for that um yeah and as i said i'll i'll include all the the links uh, and descriptions below, but I want to give you a chance to, you know, tell people how they can get in touch with you um, for cricket strength, uh, particularly. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, just on Instagram and, or Facebook and we're actually even on TikTok now, I'm not sure what's going on with it, but we're on TikTok, uh, just cricket strength and we're at cricketstrength.com. Um, so if you've got any issues, you're injured, you, you've been training hard and you're not getting better, you know, just drop us a message, okay? We're we're not someone who doesn't answer back. We always answer messages. The only message I don't answer is, what's the best uh, exercise to help me bowl quicker? Because it's a ridiculous question. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, you know, even if you just dive on, look through the page, uh, YouTube as well, we're on there. I put some longer form sort of videos on there, but everything is just aimed so that, so that no one is, well, the, the knowledge is accessible to everyone. You know, so if you, if you need help, it's there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dizzy. Pleasure. Uh, truly pleasure. appreciate it. Enjoyed it.